So we're going to read this. We're looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 45. Um, if you don't know, one of the things that we believe firmly here at Hope is that the Bible is God's word. Uh, that is our presupposition. It's a foundational belief. If you don't believe that, I'd love to talk to you about that and why we believe it. Um, but if you do believe it, then let's act like it. Let's treat God's word like it is, in fact, God's word. So let's read. This is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 45. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at Jesus' teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is God's word. Let me pray. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. God, we uh, are powerless in comparison to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would use your power to make us new. Lord, don't, don't make us just better or just a little bit different, but I pray that you would make us new, that you would renew us, that you would change our hearts. I pray that your, your spirit would be at work now as I preach and as we listen. I pray all that in Jesus' name, amen. So when I was in eighth grade, I tried out for the football team. And middle school football is a really strange time uh, because you have two groups of young boys. You have basically men and you have basically boys. You have men who have already hit puberty. They've got muscles. They are strong. They've, some of them have facial hair. And then you've got the boys who have not hit puberty yet. They have no muscle. They have no facial hair. And really, they're just kids. So when I tried out, I was one of the scrawny, hadn't hit puberty yet kids. And um, yeah, I was 115 pounds soaking wet. Puberty had not found me. Um, But I made the team because I I could catch the football. But I still had to go up against these, what were basically grown men when I was just a boy. And I'll never forget, we ran this one drill in practice. It was called head-to-head. And in the drill, you'd get down in your three-point stance, and you would charge at each other, one-on-one, and whoever tackled the other guy wins. And I'll never forget one day, I I got down in my stance, I look up, and I'm looking across at what looks to me, as a 13-year-old, like a grown man. I'm like, what? How am I in this position? He's got muscles. He's got a beard. A beard. This is middle school. He's got a beard. And actually, his brother went on to play D1 football, so he came from a good, strong family. And by the time the coach blew the whistle for us to charge at each other, I was already, I knew I was going to lose. I was backpedaling. I was like, I don't want any part of this. The next thing I know, I'm lying on the ground, looking up. Literally, I remember the sky was blue. It was a nice day. And I was like, so this is what a concussion feels like. I was powerless against this guy. I was absolutely powerless. I was a boy. He was, a, he was basically a grown man. And I learned that day my limits as a human. And if you are a human, at one time or another, you've been left feeling powerless, lying on your back, looking up, realizing there is nothing I can do. doesn't matter how hard I tried, I, I was never going to beat that guy. So what do we do with this feeling? What do we do when we feel powerless? Is it wrong? Should we, should we not feel that way? No. We're human. We're finite. God made us to be dependent upon him. So there's nothing wrong with feeling powerless. The question is, what are you going to do when you realize, when you're exposed as powerless? In our passage today, Mark writes, the author of this gospel writes, to put the power of Christ on display. He's writing to us, people who day in and day out are faced with the reality that we cannot control 
the things we want to control. We don't have the power. I felt this acutely recently because there was no baby formula on the shelf in the grocery store. There's nothing I can do. I'm completely dependent on the supply chain to get it there, and it wasn't there. I was powerless. So as we look at this passage today, Mark is showing us through, through this story, and he wants you to believe that we can have confidence in Christ's power. We can have confidence in Christ's power. And if you have a bulletin, look on the last page there, you'll see the outline. And we'll start there with point one. We can have confidence in Christ's power over relativism. Look at verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and was teaching. And and they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. Okay, so Mark is wanting us to compare Jesus to the Jewish scribes. So Jesus goes into the synagogue, this is where the Jews would meet on the Sabbath, and they would learn and worship. And the scribes would teach the Jews. And these were experts in the law. And their teaching would sound something like, here's what the law says, you know, here's this guy's opinion, this other guy thinks it means this, I don't, I'm not sure what it means. They talked about the law, but they didn't speak with authority. And Mark is contrasting that with Jesus. Jesus comes along, And he's not talking just about the law. He's not talking, um, here's a thing. He's talking to you. He's saying, thus says the Lord, repent and believe. He's telling them a real message and giving them a direct command from God. In fact, if you look there at verse 38, not only is uh, is he giving us a direct command, but he actually prioritizes this. In verse 38, you'll see, he says, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, the main reason I'm here, the main reason I'm in ministry, is not, for the de- not to cast out demons, not to heal people, but to preach the truth authoritatively. That's his main mis- mission. He came to preach... And he came to obliterate relativism with the truth. Uh, Some of you may not know what that word is, relativism. That's a big word. Kids, you probably definitely don't know what it means. So I'll try to define it for you. Relativism, which is very prevalent today, says the truth depends on your perspective. Everybody's got a little bit of their own truth. Truth here, truth there. Uh, Relativism says that everyone's opinion is valid. And relativism says we can never really know the whole truth. Which means, of course, all religions are valid. They're all valid. They're all a little bit true. This is not what Jesus said. Uh, To illustrate relativism, there's a really helpful parable. It's called the parable of... I don't know what it's called, but it's about six blind men and an elephant. So there's these six blind men, and they hear a lot about elephants, and they want to find out for 
for themselves. What's an elephant? So somehow they managed to stumble upon one. The first guy, he's blind, remember? He comes to the elephant, he feels the side of it, and he's like, he's, he's kind of feeling the body, and he's like, oh, it's really firm and smooth, it's like a wall. The next guy has the trunk of the elephant, and he's like, a wall, what are you talking about? It's a snake, it's like a snake. The other guy's got one of the legs, and he's like, you guys are both crazy, elephants are like trees. Look, it's like a, it's like a tree. One of them's got the tusk, and he's like, you guys are all, what are you talking about? An elephant is like a spear. And then there's a guy with the ear, and he's kind of flapping the ear, and he's like, a spear? It's, elephants are like a fan. You know, you could fan somebody with it. And then the last guy is just holding on to the elephant's tail, and he's, an elephant is just an old piece of rope. Um, and this, this parable, the point of this parable, is that our knowledge is always limited. And actually, this parable is meant to prove that all religions are valid and they're all just holding on to one little part of the truth. Um, But we're not relativists, are we? We don't believe that. If you notice, there's actually a seventh person in the parable. That's the guy who apparently can see and he's watching the, the blind men fumble around the elephant and argue with each other. There is someone who, in fact, knows the whole truth. And it's not us. It's God. Only God can see the whole picture. And that means the only way we can know anything with complete confidence is if God tells us. God, who sees the whole picture, has to reveal it to us so we can see this is what Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. You see, Jesus is the guy who can see. He is the one who sees the big picture, and he can tell us, Thus says the Lord. And as we read him, as he's revealed to us through scripture, we can have confidence, not in our wisdom, but in his. So how does this apply? Well, first, it means there's some things you shouldn't do. You should have intellectual humility. Understand that there are other perspectives that maybe you haven't thought of. The Bible says it this way. It says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. Now, what I'm not saying is that someone someone else's opinion is right, and your opinion is wrong. What I'm saying is God's opinion is right, and all of our opinions are subject to being wrong. And this is what the Bible tells us. We are blind men, fumbling around an elephant. God can see the whole picture. Likewise, science does not take every data point into account. Medicine fails to take every data point into account. Statistics fails to take every data point into account. Now, they are good things, and they should be pursued, but they need, we need to recognize that they, they come with limitations. 
And that at the end of the day, it is God's word that is above all. He is the only one who can see the big picture. He has every data point, spiritual and physical. So we don't have ultimate confidence in those things. But what we do have confidence in is Christ's words. In him there is no relativism. Do you see that in the text? He came to speak with authority. When he speaks, lies scatter. There is no relativism. There is just pure truth. And we can take great confidence. Jesus came so that you can have confidence about what is true. He came so that you can be confident about the truth. Look at verse 23. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. So Jesus starts preaching the truth, and what happens? Demons start coming out of the woodworks, right? When he shines light into the darkness, he, flip, he flips the light on and the cockroaches scatter. That's what we're seeing here. Demons pop up everywhere he goes because they hate the truth and they peddle lies. And this brings us to our second point. Have confidence in Christ's power over demons. I'm sure you noticed as we read three times Jesus confronts demons or he's said to confront demons in this passage. First, in verse 23 through 28, and then in verse 34, he's said to cast out many demons. And then in 39, again, he's preaching and casting out demons. And it's clear from, just from this passage alone that dealing with demonic activity was a large part of Jesus' ministry. Uh, we struggle with this, don't we? We don't know what to think about demons. It is... Uh, for me, my view of demons, I've realized, has been more influenced by basically movies that I've watched than God's word. So I just, as we think about demons, I want to give you a couple of guidelines of guardrails, um, three mistakes to av- avoid, basically, when it comes to this. Um, the first is excessive interest. Um, sometimes people tend to basically blame demons for everything in their life. Uh, And that's not a big problem today. Most people don't do that, but you shouldn't do it. You have to take responsibility for your own sin. The second is to just not believe in them altogether and to say, yeah, I don't believe in a spiritual world. But as Christians, that's not really an option. Here, Here we have Jesus battling demons. So we know that they are real. And then there's a third and probably the problem that you struggle with or the mistake you make and that I've made is practical unbelief. You would say, yes, of course I believe in demons, but when problems come up in your life, you never even consider the fact that there could be demonic activity. You limit the solutions to medical or psychological or even maybe it's just my sin or my flesh, but you have to realize that there are real demonic, there is real demonic activity that we need to be prepared for. Demons are real. The Bible tells us this. They are local. We learn this because Jesus casts them out. They're not omnipresent. They can only be in one place at a time. That means, you know, when he casts them out, they're no longer in that person. They're out somewhere else. They're spiritual. That means they're invisible. You can't see them. 
Not like, it's not like paranormal activity. If you've seen that movie, that's not what demons are like. Um, and they're angels who rebelled against God. And they're very powerful. They're stronger than you. They will make you feel powerless. And their work, what they do, what they day in, day out, for the last however many thousands of years, they have been trying to destroy image bearers. That's what they do. They wake up every morning if they sleep, and they destroy, they try to destroy image bearers of God, humans. They want to destroy you. They can possess humans, as they did to this man, who was convulsing and crying out when the demon was cast out of him. But they can also subtly influence Christians. Just think of Peter when Jesus said to him, Get behind me, Satan. He was basically saying, You're believing stuff that I never taught you, Peter. You're believing lies that Satan has put in your head. And I think that if you could see the spiritual battle that is going on around you, we would all probably shudder with fear. There is a battle for your soul. And when Jesus comes and he speaks the truth, we see all the, the cockroaches scatter. So what should we do? Well, first you need to recognize that apart from Christ's power, you are powerless against demonic forces. They will have their way with you. And they have had their way with many nations and many people throughout time. But thanks be to God that we do not trust in our own strength. Jesus has conquered the demons. We see him here multiple times, casting them out, telling them to be quiet. Be quiet, he says. I'm in charge. Jesus speaks the truth, and he shatters Satan's lies. Christ has power over demons. When you are powerless... Trust his power, not your own. And this takes us to point three. Have confidence in Christ's power over disease. You see, when Satan, when he introduced the first lie into the world in the garden, the lie was basically, God doesn't actually have your best interest in mind. Uh, The world ever since then has been deeply broken. It's been riddled with disease and death and sin. And so we see not only demons, but we see disease running rampant in our earth. In verses 29 through 31, you see Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then he goes on to heal many others in town. But I want to focus on uh, verses 40 through 44, 40 through 45, where Jesus uh, cleanses this leper. Mark takes the time. He, He says Jesus has healed many people, but I want to zoom in on this one leper. He wants us to take the time and slow down and zoom in on this one man that he healed. So let's look at verses 40 and following. And a leper came to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, 
if you will, you can make me clean. So notice what the leper doesn't say. He doesn't say, will you heal me? He says, will you make me clean? That's because leprosy, if you know anything about leprosy, it's a skin disease. Um, It's more than just sickness. In the eyes of the Jews, under the Old Testament law, there's certain skin diseases that made you ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, and you would be excluded from the community because you were so contagious. Okay, we're, we know this now, right? We've just went through COVID. We, we have an idea about being quarantined. If you get leprosy, you are quarantined until it goes away. Let me read uh, Leviticus 13, verse 45. This is uh, the Old Testament law regarding lepers. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, or something. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Okay, this is, yeah, this is social distancing. We're very familiar with this now, aren't we? The only difference is, for a lot of lepers, it was a life sentence. Because you get the disease, and it doesn't go away. So you're permanently quarantined. You are now a, a social pariah. You are not welcome. Because you are a walking disease. You're a contagion. So this leper, uh, he comes to Jesus... And he asked to be made clean. And you have to realize, as a leper, there is no medicine, there is no cure for this disease. You are hopeless. It's a life sentence. You're powerless. We've been talking a lot about that. You are powerless to cure yourself. So this leper, he comes to Jesus, and he doesn't ask for healing or forgiveness, he asked to be made clean. He's, he's tired of feeling dirty, of feeling like what he is, which is a, a giant, like he's this rotting piece of flesh. Um, really, in the eyes of, of the Jews, a leper is a walking dead person. Um, because to touch them means you're unclean. So they are just complete and utterly outcast. They are the walking dead. So he comes to Jesus. He's powerless and he realizes it. He wants to be made clean. And this disease, it's more than a disease. It's actually brought him great shame. Can you imagine this? Um, The amount of shame that comes with being a leper? His disease has brought him great shame. Uh, we don't really have a category for this. The, the closest thing I could think of is, again, going back to being a teenager, is acne. Um, and I, I had acne when I was a teenager, and I remember, if you've ever had an acne breakout, probably all of us have had an acne breakout at some point. And when you do, you're walking around, and you just feel like one big pimple, right? And, and, 
and you're like, don't look at me. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want anyone to look at me. I don't want anyone to touch me. I, I feel shame, right? This is what we feel, and this is how lepers feel all the time. And like this leper, we all carry around shame. As Christians, we talk a lot about guilt. We just did a confession of sin. We said, look, I'm guilty of sin. But we're not just sinners, we're also sufferers. We've also been sinned against. We also live in a fallen world where we have wounds, both from disease and from the sins of others. Guilt is about the wrong things that we have done. Shame is often, this type of shame, comes from our own brokenness. We haven't done anything wrong. This leper didn't sin. He's sick. Many of us have deep, deep wounds. You have deep wounds because you live in a broken world. Even disease brings, disease, the diseases that we have, the sicknesses that we have, they do not just hurt our bodies, they hurt our souls. They wound our souls. And we are not just sinners in need of grace. You are a wounded soul who needs to be cleansed like this leper. Shame, shame says, I am flawed and therefore I don't belong. Shame says, I'm unworthy of love. Shame is the reason why you have a hard time looking someone in the eyes for more than a split second. Shame makes us hide, just like Adam and Eve hid in the garden. And here is a man, a leper, who lives a life of shame. When he wakes up in the morning, when he goes to bed at night, it's just all shame. If you think about this man's life, he's likely gone years, maybe decades, without touching another human being. When he walks down the street, people part like the Red Sea to either side of him. I mean, kids, can you imagine this? Going to school, walking down the hallway, and literally everyone just spreads to get away from you. This is the life of a leper. This is shame. And if we're honest, if you're honest, we all feel this way. We, we all carry around a lot of shame. But this leper, he has hope. He sees that he is powerless. And he believes that Jesus has the power to make him clean. Look at what he says there in verse 20. Or sorry, 40. If you will, you can make me clean. He falls down on his knees. He knows that he is utterly dependent. He's utterly powerless against this disease. So he comes to Christ. And what is he asking Jesus? He's posing a question to him. If you will, you can make me clean. That word will, it means if you want, if you desire, if it is your will. He believes that Jesus is able and he's asking Jesus, will you? Do you want to cleanse me? Do you want to heal me? How does Jesus respond? 
Look there at verse 41. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. Jesus touches him. You cannot miss the significance of this, okay? This is a man who has not been touched. I mean, we don't know how long, since maybe forever. He, he has not been touched in years. And Jesus touches him. He touches the untouchable. Remember, this guy has to yell, unclean, everywhere he goes. And instead of Jesus being made dirty, this man is made clean. So I'll ask you, do you feel dirty? Do you feel ashamed? Like you don't belong? Like you were unworthy? Like a leper? Do you see Christ's heart for you? Do you see God's heart towards you? Not only does he desire to make you clean, but he has the power to make you clean, to wash away the shame. We carry around so much shame. We can take a thousand showers and it will never be washed away. I've tried. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. Showers don't help. I can imagine this leper scrubbing himself, hoping to be made clean. But we are powerless. So when you're knocked on your back, looking up at the sky, and you realize you're exposed for what you've always been, and that is that you are powerless against these things. Look to Christ. He has the power. He can make you clean. The lies, he has power over lies. The demonic, he has power over demons. Our wounds, he can heal our wounds. If you've got your bulletins uh, open to the last song, I just want to preview it because this is what it's about. We're going to ask God to heal us. And as we just saw Jesus' power on display, as we sing this song, I want you to sing it as a prayer to Christ. I, I know that you believe, but I also know that you, you have disbelief. I'm the same way. Ask God to help us believe that he can, in fact, make us new. Look at the chorus. I'll just read the, the chorus just to introduce it. It says, heal us, Emmanuel. Here we are. We long to feel thy touch, don't we? Don't we long to feel Jesus' touch like this leper? Deep wounded souls, to thee we fly. Our wounds are deep. They are so deep. And we come to Jesus to have them healed. O Savior, hear our cry. And Jesus does hear our cry. So let's pray 
And then let's sing to him. Lord, we are powerless against these things. It's true. Every one of us in this room has found ourselves flat on our backs, looking up at the sky, realizing there's nothing that we can do. Lord, would you meet us there? When we are there, remind us that you have the power. And Lord, I ask that you would show us that you are able and that you are willing. And I pray that you would make us new. I lift all this up to your powerful name, your mighty name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.